BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Okay, Ben, I don't know where you are right now, but it looks like there's a giant polar bear right by your camera. (laughs) Oh, wait, that's you. Hey. (laughs) I may be the whitest man in America right now. Uh, Just the color of the skin. <laughs> because I haven't seen the sun in so long. Good God! And then since I got this camera, it's like looking at myself every day. I'm like, oh my God! <laughs> I think I'm getting rid of the camera. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, people want to see this camera action here on the Ben Jarofsky show. I don't know. I don't know if you want it in the winter time here, uh, Polar Bear Ben. <laughs> Polar Bear Ben. You know, yeah. I used to go through life thinking, you know, I look in the mirror and I see Brad Pitt looking back. You know oh what I'm saying? Yeah. Now I'm looking at this thing. That Brad Pitt. Mm-mm-mm. More like, oh, I'm even going to say it. Sad <laughs> shit. All right, everybody. How's it going? <laughs> We're live. Your Ben Jarofsky show for Wednesday, January 6th. is just moments away. But, hey, first we got to thank the Chicago Reader. Thank you, Chicago Reader, for hosting the Ben Jarofsky show. Check out the Chicago Reader. ChicagoReader.com. Subscribe. Fantastic source for all things the city of Chicago. Uh, Ben, uh, you got a column every week on the reader. Give everybody a little tease of uh, this week's column, and we'll talk more about it later on. Yeah. Let's uh, show everybody how a tease goes. Okay. A tease. Uh, Oh, not that kind of tease. Sorry. Uh, It's about uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot and how she's uh, handled the situation with Anjanette Young, the police raided Anjanette Young. Uh, And I talk. Length about Lori and lawyers, and I'll just leave that. How about that as a tease? Lori and her lawyers. Ooh, that's, oh, that's what you call a tease, D. Yeah. Learn, 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 learn. That was one hell of a tease, buddy. <laughs> All right, here we go. <laughs> Wait, is that now the sound for teases? I don't know. I, bringing, I don't know. I just love that sound anyway. <laughs> Your song of the day comes from Frank. Very apropos, Georgia on my mind by Ray Charles. <laughs> Well, actually, there's two Georgia songs on my mind at the very moment. I'll sing yours, Frank. Georgia, oh, Georgia, G, 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 G. And then there's the Boz Skag song, which is uh, Dennis's favorite. Yes. Georgia, we will be together here. And now I'll go back to Ray Charles. Georgia, G, 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 G. <laughs> I've been singing both songs interchangeably. For approximately the last, ooh, uh, let me do the math, 24 hours? I may be off a little on the math. Uh, don't hold me accountable to that one, folks. And just a little bit. Just a little bit. Frank, thanks as always for that song of the day. <laughs> how, how, did that, how did that guitar go again? Which one? Oh, I don't think there was a guitar. It was a piano. Oh, that's what that was? That okay. was a piano. Let me explain something to our my millennial uh, listeners out there. Ray Charles is a great singer, and he was a very excellent piano player. 
he played the piano. And so, Georgia, jing, 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 jing. I hear it now. Now that you explained it, I can hear it. <laughs> you know, I mean, genius, genius sometimes must be annotated and explained and all that good stuff. Yeah, man. <laughs> Sounded a lot like a guitar, just saying, jing, jing, jing. The Ben Jarofsky Show starts now. Wednesday, January 6th, and live from my apartment and his attic, this is the Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, legendary Chicago journalist, Monroe Anderson. And now your host. Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Peachy Georgia Wednesday. And here's why. Ah, you all know why. Dems won both special election Senate seats in Georgia last night. That's why Raphael Warnock mopped the floor. And I mean mopped the floor with Kelly LaFleur. That sounds like a rap song. Mop the floor with Kelly LaFleur. Anyway. And then, uh, not too long thereafter, uh, John Ossoff took little Davy Purdue to school. Now, that race hasn't officially been called yet, at least the last time I looked. But come on, folks. Turn, you know, it's over. Turn out the lights. You know, I'm going to try to do this the right way, D. Because Just because uh, President Donnie is a bad sport and gloats when he wins doesn't mean we should do that. Two, right, D? Isn't that right? Shouldn't we be above sure, that? Sure. All right. So let me go all NPR on you, okay? I'm going to pretend I am a correspondent for NPR and I'm just reading this news. And in last night's uh, <laughs> election, Democratic candidate Raphael Warnock and John Ossoff defeated the Republican opponents Kelly LaFleur and David Perdue. And meanwhile, inside they're going, yeah! Beep you! Oh, your phone's ringing. Oh, hold on one second. Let me get that. Hold on. Hold on, D. Phyllis, how many times have I told you not to call me when I'm on the air? Uh, <laughs> I'm so sad because the Republicans lost. All right. Well, obviously, you didn't read my email going into the year 2021. No more Phyllis, but. Phyllis, of course, for relatively new listeners to the show. It's that lady the Republicans dragged out of God only knows where to go on TV and read, recite lines intended to scare pensioners into voting against their interests in the fair tax. And guess what? Springfield politicians, they promise they won't tax retirement income if their constitutional amendment passes. Yes, that fellas. Heck of a job, fellas. Good job, voters of the Northwest side, by the way. Crossing off that New Year's resolution. (laughs) Where was I? Oh, yes. NPR. <laughs> My imitation of the NPR. Well, in last night's election, the Democrats were victorious. How ironic. Ooh. Bad night for Mitch McConnell. Yes, yes, yes. Republican leader of the Senate. That's the same Mitch McConnell who changes the rules as he goes along to one. Well, so, keep a bomb. Well, so, so, I'll change the rules. <laughs> uh, yeah. 
Dead Mitch McConnell. That one, the turtle guy. Changes the rules to keep Obama from nominating a Supreme Court judge. And then changes the rules to allow President Donnie to rush forward with his nominee. Mitch is the bane of Democrats' existence. And now with the Senate in the control of Democrats, he's gone! To quote Ken Harrelson. Let's pause now to consider the refrain of every single lefty who came on this show over the last two years. And not just lefties, liberals. It was one thing the lefties and the liberals agreed on, D. Number one, defeat Trump. Number two, hold the House. Number three, get rid of Mitch. Well, with last night's triumph in Georgia, consider all three items completed. Mission accomplished. To quote George Bush, you know, actually, D, I'd rather not even think about George Bush at this moment. I was following along. Yes, sir. But can we hear yes. your George Bush impression, though? Oh, God, I have to conjure. Strategery. 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 Dr. D is a great guy. Uh, I can't do Bush. I put him out of my mind. I literally put Bush out. He left uh, in 2009. I watched that helicopter arise. I go, I'm going to put him out of my mind. And I still can make the argument that he was a worse president than Donald John Trump. I could make that argument. In fact, I may be making that argument today when I uh, have my conversation with Leonard Goodman in about two hours. Anyway, focus, Ben, focus. (laughs) I was following along last night on my little cell phone, D. I'm just watching the numbers as they come in. And at first, the Republicans were ahead because they count day of vote, day of voting votes first. And Republicans, for reasons I'll never quite understand, had decided they were going to deter MAGA from voting uh, early, voting by mail. Actually, I kind of do understand. They were doing everything they could to make it harder to vote in the theory that if you make it harder for Democrats to vote, Democrats won't vote because they don't have the focus and determination of MAGA. That's like that old Chicago theory. theory. If it's cold, people won't vote, which partly explains why we have municipal elections in February. Think about it, folks. Well, anyway, the Democratic voters of Georgia proved them wrong. They showed up in huge numbers. And again, Just like in the presidential, they were willing to wait in line, potentially exposing themselves to COVID. And so, yes, the first votes to be counted favored the Republicans. And then the Democratic vote came in. And to quote my dear friend Norm, quote, Benny J, it's great to see the brothers and sisters show his punk ass. End of quote. The punk ass in question being Trump's and the brothers and sisters being the black men and women of Georgia. So one more time, on the part of Democrats everywhere, and really citizens everywhere, thank you, black voters. You have saved us from ourselves again. When black people vote, good things happen, to quote Reverend Jesse Lewis Jackson. For me, the news broke at about 1045 when I got a text from our very good friend, Jacob J.K. Kaplan, executive director of the Democratic Party, telling me, quote, we won, exclamation mark. I couldn't believe it. I'm like, wait a minute. I'm, I'm just looking at the raw results. And Ossoff is behind. And JK said, no, 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 no. Dave Wasserman called it on Twitter. Folks, let me just pause to give Dave Wasserman some love. 
This dude is like the Rich Miller of national politics. He knows his stuff. And not only that, he trash talks. Now, here's his tweet from last night about 10 o'clock. Quote, I've seen enough. John Ossoff defeats Senator Dave Perdue in Georgia's other Senate runoff. Democrats win control of the Senate. End of quote. This petition came when the official vote count still had Dave Perdue ahead of Ossoff. And I'm like, why was he so confident? I'll tell you why. Because he knows his stuff. And he knew where the outstanding votes were. And he knew there was no way those outstanding votes were going to Purdue. So it was game over. And then Twitter, playing by the rules, put this qualification on Wasserman's tweet. Quote, multiple sources may have called this race, may not have called this race when this was tweeted. And you could take the words may out of that sentence. No one was calling that race except for Wasserman. Then Wasserman started trash talking, D. He's like, quote, feel free to slap a label on this one, Twitter. I'm going to bed. I haven't seen such a badass move since Bill Murray in Kingpin, one of my favorite movies of all time. And in that movie, Bill Murray plays Ernie Big Earn McCracken, who's this really obnoxious bowler who lets it rip. And then he turns his back before the ball, while the ball's like halfway down the alley and cups his hand around his ear to like to listen to the sound of all the pins falling as he knows he's thrown a strike. He knows it without even looking at it. And that's what uh, badass Dave Washerman did. He made the call. He goes, I'm going to bed. To sleep just like that. Take a bow, Mr. Wasserman. You are a badass. By the way, Twitter still hasn't taken that thing down. Uh, Twitter, anytime you want to take that little message down. Now, I realize from this point on, we're heading into reality. As, as I speak, Republicans are making one last move uh, in Congress to steal the election. And after that, I'm sure the Republicans will lose. It'll be up to the Dems to do something good with the power they have, and not to pull another stunt like Obama did, and all Dems did back in 2009, just go to sleep. Uh, there's no red states, no blue states, just United States, we're all in this together. Yeah, meanwhile, the Republicans are organizing the Tea Party. We saw what happened, so you can't fall asleep. All right, enjoy the moment, Dems, and you gotta get back to work. But like I said, let's just enjoy the moment for this moment. To quote Dave Wasserman and Norm, quote, I've seen enough. The brothers and sisters showed his punk ass. We've got a great show today, everybody. Monroe Anderson will be here. Oh, he's ready to take a victory walk. He predicted Georgia would go to the Dems. Remember that, D? Yeah, he's getting a little tired. Of all you Ben Jarowski Show listeners trash-talking him for all the <laughs> predictions he's made that haven't come true. Uh, I'm speaking to you, Babs. And Adolfo. Adolfo's always trash-talking Monroe. And Frank and Jay Marie and <laughs> Brianna. And... <laughs> uh, he's ready to do the stroll, the victory stroll, the walk-off. He just hit the home run. And instead of jogging, he's now, he drops the bat, and he's just watching the ball fly over the fence. And now he's walking. And now here he comes. He breaks into a slow jog around on bases. Monroe Anderson predicted both Senate races to, for the Dems in Georgia, and he's feeling pretty good about it. Well, dude. he better hurry up and run around those bases. He's going to be on shortly. Hey, man, right now he's doing his Tai Chi. 
Don't interrupt him, okay? He's got to get ready for the show. Sorry. He's tai-, tai Chi. Anyway, Monroe Anderson will be here. We're talking all the politics of the day. He'll give us updates what's going on in Congress. But before we do that, the young man from Alton, the man that all the Senate candidates in Georgia probably call Dr. D with the news. Never been to Georgia in my life. How's it going, everybody? <laughs> Let's find out what's happening in Chicago and or Illinois this afternoon. We begin in Chicago, and we begin with a name from Shady Chicago Past. Which one? I know. There's a lot. Take a chill pill, man. Okay. It's not you, Rom. <laughs> I just spiked around Lake Michigan. Michigan. Oh, okay. How many miles was it, Rom? Springfield College. Phyllis! <laughs> Phyllis, how many times have I told you, do not interrupt the show. We're talking about Rob, not you. You had your moment, okay? <laughs> According to a new report, former Chicago Public Schools CEO Barbara Bird Bennett. Yes, Ooh. the lady who went to prison for steering $22.5 million in no-bid deals to her friends. And it looks like she was up to even greasier operations. Good Lord, Barbara. The following comes from the Chicago Sun-Times, Lauren Fitzpatrick, and Nadir Issa. CPS's inspector general says in his annual report released Wednesday that Bird Bennett orchestrated schemes that resulted in another $10.1 million in public school contracts going to her friend's companies. Say what you will. Sounds like a damn good friend. The finding... The findings come six years after the school's chief former, uh, whom Rahm Emanuel chose and affectionately called B3, Ooh. abruptly resigned. Bird Bennett, 71 years old, got out of prison in early May after serving nearly three years of her four-and-a-half-year sentence in a low-security facility thanks to a federal policy aimed at sparring nonviolent offenders from the coronavirus. Ben Jarofsky, take us back to the days of B3, which, by the way, for the record, does sound like a nickname that you would come up with yourself. Uh, are you surprised by the latest report? No, I'm not surprised at all. Uh, and, yeah, there was a moment in his, or oh, suddenly I found myself doing Obama. Uh, there was a moment uh, in the early days of Rahm's reign where he was giving nicknames to his uh, school appointees. Yeah, he was doing that. He's taking a page from me. He, remember uh, before B3, Barbara Burr Bennett, there was JC. I think it was George Claude. I forgot his last name. Van Dam? <laughs> the karate kicking guy? No. <laughs> Not him. Frank will help me. I know someone out there will help me. I forgot the dude's name, man. Anyway, he was, he was JC, and then there was B3. And listen. I've said this all on consistently. B3's purpose, a largely political purpose, was to be the front person for school closings. And Rahm needed someone, preferably a black person, to be the uh, the figurehead who announced the closings that Rahm was determined to go through with because he wanted to show the world, oh my God, some things never change, how tough he was. How tough he was on education. We don't need all these schools. We don't need all these teachers. Let's close some schools. Let's fire some union teachers. Let's open some charter schools and hire some non-union teachers. And that was part of the game. I'm going to show how tough I am. And he was cheered on by Civic and Corporate Chicago. And B3 was the person whose job it was to say, they would give her a script and she would say something like, we've done a long study 
and we've done careful analysis and we have determined that it's in the best interest of the children to close these schools and take kids <laughs> who live in one area and move them to another area and consolidate schools and they will thank us for this down the road and they'll have more resources. Well, of course, none of that happened. They didn't take the money that they saved by closing the school and used it to buy more resources. They just took the money that they closed the school, what, to waste it? To give it to TIF, on TIF deals? Somehow, but that was her job. Just say what was given to her. And in return, I've always said this, Ram and his people just kind of looked the other way at the growing evidence that she may have been up to no good with contracts. They just kind of looked the other way because they needed B3. Ron was out skiing in Utah when he announced when the schools, when the announcement came down that they were closing 50 schools. He was skiing on a family vacation. He could have waited to come back and made the announcement himself. Oh no, <laughs> not Rom. Thought he was slick. So he had B3 do it. And then she went down. And then he was shocked. I'm shocked that this corruption would exist. I cannot believe it existed. I'm stunned and very disappointed. Man, every reporter in town, well, not every reporter, let's give a shout out to Sarah Carp. Uh, she, the bulldog uh, investigative reporter, education reporter for NPR now. At the time, I think she was working for Catalyst. Anyway, Sarah Carp was letting the world know how come Sarah Carp knew, Rahm Emanuel, what B3 was up to with these contracts, but you didn't. Because you didn't want to know, that's why. So it's always good to remember the games they play at the Chicago Public Schools, unchanged, by the way, since the days of Daddy Daly, uh, and how they're still playing those games right now with opening and closing the school with the pandemic, with all the report. Oh, we all assuring teachers, oh, we, we know what we're doing, just like they assured the parents and teachers, oh, we know what we're doing, we're closing these schools. Yeah. Oh, we, we, we've got the best and the brightest leaders from Metropolitan Chicago sitting on the school board. They know how to handle budgets. They know how to uh, look at contracts. Meanwhile, a $20 million budget out the window, some scam. Sarah Carp knew about it, but apparently the board was baffled. Ooh. So anyway, D, yeah, that's B3. I'm not surprised. They're still digging up evidence. I, don't, I mean, I don't know why it took them so long to come up with this latest, but um, I am not surprised. You asked me, was I surprised? And the answer is negatory. And I'm still waiting on a friend to just give me a million dollars. Just mm. waiting on any of my friends listening. Come on, where are you at? Yeah, come on, man. You could all We could all use some friends like that. Remember B3, she was the one, uh, what was she gonna, What was her famous quote? I have tuitions to pay and casinos to visit. Oh. It, was a, it, was a, uh, it was an email or a text uh, that, uh, that I think it was an email that she wrote to her uh, uh, partners in crime, literal partners in crime. I have tuitions to pay and casinos to visit. Apparently she was paying the tuitions for her grandkids to go to school uh, and she had to visit those casinos. <laughs> oh God, what a city! What a city I live in. And now we're told, forget all about B3. Forget all about those 50 school closings. Forget all about Rahm and the board. This time, we got it right. This time, you can believe CPS. When they swear up and down, I know we're going to get to this later, D. When they swear up and down, it's safe. Don't open the schools. Don't listen to Troy LaRavie. He's just a troublemaker. Listen to us because we know 
we're wise, just like we were wise <laughs> with B3. And, you know, speaking of B3, like I said, uh, you know, you and uh, Rob may have something in common there with a nickname given. That just sounds like a total Ben Jarofsky nickname. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think I've ever come up with a good one like B3. I mean, look at the ones I've come up with, Dr. D. Yeah, that yeah, that's not one of your uh, best. <laughs> I should think Dr. D is pretty good. Remember Dr. Dog? Yeah, that was. <laughs> that may have been my worst nickname of all time, Dr. Dog. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Do- yeah, that one's pretty bad. Like JT, I guess you just do initials. Uh, initials. Come on, man. JT is good. Even JT calls herself JT now. Uh, SDG. For 10 trivia points, D, who is SDG? Um, oh, Stephen Dartmouth <laughs> Garfield. Oh, All right, more, more CPS news, more CPS oh. news, CPS Ooh. news that also involves someone living high on the hog. Another Nadir Issa story from the Sun-Times. The headline mm. reads, Ghost Payroll Scheme Earned CPS Technician $1,000 or $122,000 while doing no work and living <laughs> in California. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> it's been revealed. It's been revealed that a former Chicago public schools computer technician was paid nearly one hundred twenty-two thousand dollars over two years while while primarily living in California and doing virtually no work at all. Ah, the American dream. <laughs> According to an inspector general's investigation that found her school principal was aware of the situation, but did nothing. She pulled off what the inspector general called a, quote, ghost payroll scheme by having one of her colleagues, a clerk at the school, clock her in and out to make it look like she was going to work. The computer tech may have made a couple trips back to Chicago in those two years and might have even worked those days, the report said. Aside from that, she was on the West Coast. Surfing, maybe, I don't know, and not working that entire time, pulling in $121,893 in unearned wages for 356 working days. The staffer self dealt another $237,000 from the school system through a printing company that she and her husband helped manage that sold goods to 14 CPS schools, including her own, in a scheme that prompted a 2015 investigation uh, by CPS's Office of Inspector General, which released its findings on Wednesday. The ex-technician wasn't named in the report, nor were the elementary school where she worked or the principal who she worked for. No criminal charges have been filed. Ben, your thoughts, and why am I kind of jealous of this lady? (laughs) Well, I mean, you know, I can understand why you're kind of jealous. We all want to be sitting on on the edge of the ocean, sitting on the deck of the bay. Come on, D. We all want to be doing that. We don't want to be in this, like, ice bowl, you know? We're like snows and then rains and then the rain turns to slush and then it freezes over and you slip when you walk. We don't want to do that. We want to be out in sunny California with our sunglasses on. I wouldn't look like, you know, uh, a polar bear if I was out in sunny California. So, yeah, that's why you're a little jealous. Oh, man, what is with it? What is what is with human beings, D? You know what I'm saying? It's like, why did they think this was a good idea? Like, she had a good job. Why not just do the job? I don't know. 
It's like you got 122 grand a year to be a computer tech. That's, I mean, that's more money than I've ever made. I know it's more money. Well, these days, though, this is making big time, big time money, but it's still not as much money as you've ever made in your life. So, D, I, I, I don't know. I can't understand human beings. And it's stuff like this, you know, and it has the, the same thing with Barbara uh, Bird Bennett. It's like it's so hard to get society to commit money to fund public education. Uh, you know what I'm saying? It's just like folks, they, it's like they think it's a waste of money. Rahm Emanuel himself, allegedly, I should say, because he denies he said this, but of course nobody believes him. Uh, sat down with Karen Lewis soon after he became mayor of the city of Chicago and said he didn't even know why we bothered uh, having uh, worrying about some some of the kids in Chicago public schools because 25% of them won't graduate anyway or won't amount to anything anyway. I can't remember the exact quote she said, but that's kind of the attitude. Bruce Rauner was quoted as saying, uh, making a similar offhand remark to Diane Ravitch at a luncheon not too long thereafter. It's like this attitude, that it's just a waste of money. The kids in the system won't do anything, won't go anywhere anyway. It's like this nihilistic attitude. So just why do we even spend the money? Why do we even spend the time? It's so hard to get people to commit. You know, it's like pulling teeth. And so then we get stories like this. And, you know, like we could say, well, 122000 is, you know, a fraction of the billions of dollars of the budget. But. Symbolically, it has, you know, a resounding impact. It'll be quoted, D. You watch. It'll make the rounds. Oh, you won't believe what's going on in Chicago. And Republicans all over the country go, why do we give any of our money? In fact, I bet you DB's all over this story. DB, you know, our favorite Republican, Darren Bailey from downstate. You know, I bet he's all over this story. So, yeah. I'm all over it, man. Like <laughs> shit on a hole. I just want to say, DB, you get you got your paw out too. You know, I read Danny Mahopoulos' story about you and uh, getting the subsidies, uh, federal subsidies for crops. So, D, I just like it. it it's just double impact. Just cannot believe how this person would think it was a was it a he or a she? I can't remember. Did they identify? Whatever. Uh, well, it was, a, it that, was a she. It was a she. Yeah, that she would get away with it, and uh, it wasn't good enough just to make one hundred twenty-two thousand, but just the uh, compounded effect of turning people against the Chicago public schools and the kids that go there is e e even more of a crime. So thanks for nothing, computer techie. <laughs> All right, I'd love to sit here and talk more about this, but we do have breaking news. All hell is breaking loose at the U.S. Capitol at the moment. So we're going to talk about it. The U.S. Capitol is on lockdown amid a tense situation with demonstrators outside the building. According to Capitol Police officers, as President Donald Trump supporters attempt to break into the building while lawmakers count the Electoral College votes certifying President-elect Joe Biden's win. So this is happening as we speak here. Well, I know uh, Monroe will be giving us updates because I'm sure he's following this one right now. Of course, I'm not following it at all. And, oh, man, why am I not surprised? We, the, the the Proud Boys riot, what was that, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, mm -hmm. uh, which ended up with uh, a man defending himself. You probably saw the, the, the footage stabbed, I think, two or three Proud Boys. It's funny, and I'm not seeing the Republicans, uh, you know, coming to his defense 
uh, like they did with the the shooter in Kenosha. But uh, yeah, we'll follow this one, D. This is this, just what you said. Sounds pretty scary. Yeah, it's going down as we speak here. We'll try to keep you posted on this uh, as today's program rolls along. So let's just go back to the local news. And, guys, if you wanted more Chicago school coverage on the Ben Jarofsky Show in 2021, oh, boy, you better strap in. You're getting it this week. More news on the current rift between the Chicago Public Schools and the Chicago Teachers Union. CPS would like the teachers to return to the classroom during a pandemic right after the holiday season when people socially gathered more than likely more than any time since this damn dirty coronavirus began. The CTU in response said, uh, what are you crazy? Hell no, we won't go. <laughs> CPS then said that the teachers will be punished for not showing up, but not fired, whatever that means. And I'm sure Ben will give you more details in moments, but here we are today. And the following comes from the Chicago sun times and Mitch, the dude Dudek. <laughs> <laughs> okay for the record i did not come up with that nickname okay when we get the cease and desist letter from mitch dudek's mother or lawyer or that's cool, whoever, that's cool. Uh, you better not sue that's cool uh, the dude dudek he's the dude uh, here we go for 10 trivia points big lebowski all right okay. the chicago <laughs> team Ladies and gentlemen, wow, go ahead. The Chicago Teachers Union Wednesday slammed Chicago public schools officials over their treatment of teachers who were forced to wait a return to working in person this week for the first time during the pandemic. During an early morning news conference, way before Ben woke up, CTU... (laughs) CTU Deputy General Counsel Thad Goodchild said, quote, We are here this morning to underscore for the public how absolutely callously CPS has treated educators who have requested accommodations or leave. Virtually all leave options are unpaid, so CPS is really forcing them to choose between their safety and their livelihood. Also, according to Goodchild, roughly one in three educators directed to report to schools Monday requested a leave of absence or for special accommodations to work remotely. Records show CPS has denied about 60% of requests for remote working and leave. And despite the school district's claim, it granted all remote work requests for employees with medical conditions that place them in a high-risk category. Goodchild went on to say that CPS has, quote, been especially cruel towards employees who have requested leaves or accommodations due to a family member being in the high-risk category for COVID-19. CPS has rejected approximately 85% of remote work accommodations for employees with members of their households with fragile health conditions and told employees they must report to work in person while their request is pending. Yeah, folks, I mean, how do I explain this? The world that of Chicago public education that you read about in the newspaper and where you have um, these really well put together uh, officials who uh, come before the cameras and assure you that they know what they're doing. Like these carefully uh, crafted public relations spectacles and that they've dotted every I and crossed every T and then they drag out health experts that essentially say completely contradict everything they're going to say in regard to like Thanksgiving dinners, right? Don't go to Thanksgiving. Don't let grandma come to Thanksgiving. 
because either she'll infect you or you'll infect her. It's horrible. It's terrible. The front page story in the paper, uh, Lori Lightfoot, Mayor Lori Lightfoot saying we don't have enough vaccines in Chicago. But then when it comes to the public schools, they drag out some doctor who says, well, we've done studies. The studies show that actually it's the safest place to be. In fact, I'm going to recommend to everybody in the city of Chicago, what you should do is go to a public school right now. You'd be safer. It's even safer than Thanksgiving dinner with grandma. It's just like it, it, folks are scared, you know, and just telling people you have no reason to be afraid. We're not going to listen to your concerns. We don't care about your concerns. If you don't show up, we're going to fire you. Or if you don't fire you, we'll just deny you the money. That's not going to alleviate people's concerns. So I don't know. Like, and then they go, now the latest thing is, well, the Catholic schools did it. I mean, the Catholic schools teachers just went. They shut up and did it. So you shut up and do it. I don't know. I never heard, you know what, and all the coverage of like charter schools that open, Catholic schools that open, I never recall really hearing interviews with any teachers. You know what I'm saying? It's always like a boss who says, our teachers really are dedicated and they're happy to be here. And they don't care <laughs> if they're potentially exposed to COVID because that's the kind of professionals they are. No, they're not even professionals, they're like missionaries. So it's like, I don't know what the truth is with the Catholic schools and ladies and gentlemen, Neither do the people who run the Chicago public schools. I just know that when you have a situation in Chicago where your teachers are in a union and the union is representing their interests and teachers are legitimately concerned and the union is asking the Board of Education to work with them and the Board of Education is not working with them and is giving them ultimatums and using their supporters in the press to bash the teachers, or at least bash the teachers' union, why would the teachers believe it? And by the way, and one more point. I've been writing about uh, a, a certain teacher in Chicago public schools. I've not mentioned her name because I don't trust CPS uh, to deal with a teacher without punishing her, like who's critical. I just don't trust them. Anyway, a friend of a friend, she's pregnant, and uh, she's asked to be exempted, and she... <laughs> She still has not gotten a response as to whether she'll be exempted, whether uh, a pregnant woman is at risk in the classroom. And she's late. I just got a text from her. The latest is that she was told that like the, the week of that she's supposed to uh, report to school, they'll get back to her. So how is that? a How is an example like that? And there's countless examples like that with scores of teachers in the public schools. How is that going to make people feel confident that CPS knows what it's doing. This was the point that Troy LaRavier was making. So I don't know, D. It's, uh, it's really hard. Again, just want to point out, we just got done talking about B3. It was a similar case. Oh, don't believe what Sarah Karp writes in the newspaper. B3 is a professional. The Board of Education is run by leaders of Civic Chicago. Rahm Emanuel is a wise leader. They know what they're doing when they close 50 schools and give $20 million for a principal training contract that the principals are all saying is a bunch of garbage. That's, by the way, uh, whoops, just get rid of this right here. 
That's how Troy LaRavier first uh, came to attention. He was one of the few principals who spoke out against that contract. He was right. B3 was wrong. Rahm was wrong. The Board of Education was wrong. And you know what they did? They waited about a year, and then they fired him. There you go. How about that for the How about for having faith in the Chicago public schools? The guy points out that schools are dirty, so maybe that it wasn't a good idea to outsource contracts to private vendors who did a crummy job in relation to the old janitors that they had. Then the dude point, points out that the $20 million contract that they gave for principal training was a joke. He was right in both instances. And what do they do? They fire him. Hey, a lot of confidence in the Chicago public schools. That's the Chicago way. You speak out, we fire you. So, I, D, I don't blame the teachers and the principals when they don't trust the powers that be who run our schools. I don't blame them at all. Uh-oh, train going by. Uh-oh, train going by. And... Yeah? Vin, are you there? I am here. The newsroom's flagging me down. I guess, I guess we got more updates here. Uh, oh, what's wow. going on nationally? Hold on, everybody. Let me run to the newsroom. This better be good. Hold on. Hey, come on. Give me the story. We're live. Thank you. All right. We have the update here. Following comes from TheGuardian.com. The House and the Senate have now both recessed due to concerns about pro-Trump protesters breaching the Capitol. As Capitol Police issued instructions to lawmakers and staffers on how to safe, uh, safely amid the chaos, Donald Trump sent a tweet criticizing Mike Pence for not trying to circumvent the will of American voters by blocking the certification of Joe Biden's victory. All right. So we are now witnessing the Donald Trump throw everybody under the bus plan before uh, things end here. Mr. Pence, get under that bus. Yeah, no, this is insane. I'm seeing, I mean, news is just breaking like crazy while we're here on this show. Uh, you guys, could you be a little more convenient to uh, the Ben Jarofsky show? We're doing this live. Here's a pro-Trump protester storm capital halting vote certification. Pence is rushed out. McConnell denounces effort to overturn election. So that's good. At least Mitch McConnell spoke up, but it's kind of frightening. I'm looking at the pictures here of the protesters uh, with their uh, storming the, uh, the Capitol. And then the other breaking news I just saw that this is that uh, Merrick Garland, uh, Joe Biden says he's going to pick Merrick Garland as his attorney general, uh, which is, I don't know if irony is the right word, but uh, Merrick Garland, of course, is the judge from uh, Lincolnwood, a uh, proud graduate of Niles West High School. And uh, he, President Obama had nominated him to be the uh, Supreme Court justice. And of course, Mitch McConnell will not allow his vote to come before um, the uh the Senate. Who was it that predicted? Somebody I was talking to yesterday predicted uh, that. Uh, oh, I think it was uh, Marge Halpern may have been predicting that. I was booking her for the show that uh, Biden is waiting to see what happens in Georgia before uh, he makes announces his attorney general's uh, his attorney general nominee. So, the, hey, Mitch McConnell won't be around to block Merrick Garland's appointment this time. So what goes around comes around. But this is scary stuff, D. You're right, coming out of Washington. Uh, Pence is rushed out uh, of the uh, of Congress after pro-Trump protesters stormed the Capitol. 
Yeah, we do have a tweet from Donald Trump as well uh, of him throwing Mike Pence under the bus. Uh, I have his Twitter profile pulled up here. Hang tight. I got it on my window. Let's pull it up. Okay, here we go. We're on his Twitter feed. Here's the tweet from Trump. Mike Pence didn't have the courage to do what should have been done to protect our country and our Constitution, giving states a chance to certify a corrected set of facts, not the fraudulent or inaccurate ones which they were asked to previously certify. USA demands the truth. Yeah. Uh, Donald Trump is, uh, is crazy, folks. I think we all know that by now. Uh, Donald F- uh, Trump cannot stand to lose, and he knows he lost. Uh, and so on one level, D, I think this is just an attempt for Donald Trump to walk away and be able to say, like, I don't know, 40% of America uh, doesn't think I lost, so I didn't lose. So he can always go to a room filled with people, and he can say, I didn't lose, and they'll all cheer. They'll tell him uh, what he wants to hear because they bought into his cult. It's so one of the strangest things I've seen in all my years of watching politics. I'm, and I say this. When I look at the record of Donald Trump compared to George W. Bush, I'm not sure that Donald Trump overall caused more damage and destruction than Bush. No, I would argue that Bush caused more destruction and damage than Trump. But what's more frightening about Trump is that Bush didn't inspire this cult-like following. Like, follow Trump wherever he goes, whatever he says, regardless of whether he has anything to back it up or not. Just walk off a cliff with Trump. It's The, the Republican Party has lost, it, it, it has lost control of itself. And uh, where was it? DB! Our good friend DB, Darren Bailey, downstate Darren, uh, was calling Adam Kinzinger a traitor and denouncing Adam Kinzinger. No, and saying that uh, he could be look uh, to have a primary opponent uh, the next time he runs for Congress, where he runs for re-election, which would be in 2022. And Adam Kinzinger, just so you know, is the congressman, Republican congressman from the 16th Congressional District. And I admit, I brought on many people to this show Many Democrats, Danny B, many others, Heidi Henry, who've opposed Adam Kinzinger, were working hard to unseat Adam Kinzinger. So I'm not a supporter of Adam Kinzinger, but I got to say that at least he has the guts to speak up against what Trump's trying to do. And as a result, this is how insane the Republican Party has come. You got Big DB going around saying, we're going to run someone against him in the primary. What? Because he didn't sign on to this fraudulent canard that somehow or other there was fraud in this election that denied Trump the election? He just didn't make up evidence that to justify your wacky myths? He didn't sign on to it out of fear like the rest of you? He had he expressed a little independence? You would think the Republicans would say, well, we're remember the old Republicans we were a big tent? We allow all kinds of people in our tent. So we agree to disagree. That was the Republican Party that was trying to win a legitimate majority of the vote. Now the Republican Party doesn't care. They figured out, well, we can get elected. Uh, The Electoral College is biased in our favor. So we don't even need to get a majority of the vote. We don't care if all the overwhelming number of black people and uh, Asian Americans and uh, Hispanic Americans vote against us. We just need our little core to elect us in just enough states to win. That's all we need. 
So that's the Republican Party we have now. You know, so I, um, it's frightening stuff, D, and um, really frightening stuff that Mike Pence now, Donald Trump is going after Mike Pence. That guy has been so loyal to Trump. All, right. You know what I'm saying? It's unbelievable. Michael Cohen said it. Michael Cohen said it. He goes, if you get in bed with Trump, it's not going to work out well for you. And he goes, I know, because I'm in the federal penitentiary. Michael Cohen is, of course, Trump's lawyer, <laughs> shakedown lawyer. The guy was paying off the porn star, well, Stormy Daniels, all the good days of the early Trump administration. Huh, D? What was Stormy Daniels' lawyer's name? <laughs> what a sleaze. <laughs> anyway. So, scary times when uh, Mike Pence, and I'm sorry, I, I, I know, I, I just can't go there right now to, like, congratulate Mike Pence. You know what I'm saying, D? I just, like, well, at least he's not as bad as, what, Darren Bailey? Who, by the way, is the leader of the Republican Party in the state of Illinois. This, this, we, we have my, uh, Mike Madigan updates, D? We have a Mike Madigan update coming? Uh, I didn't uh, have it prepared, uh, you mm-hmm. know, with this breaking news going on. I figured it'd be yeah. crazy not to talk about it. You know yeah, we've got to talk about the breaking news. You're absolutely correct. Good, good news judgment on your part. All but right. I'm just, just thinking about it because I saw a quote in the paper from Jim Durkin, the Republican out of Elmhurst or out of DuPage County, who was uh, trying to convince Repo- Democrats to join his reform campaign to, uh, to be elected speaker. I'm like, really? Democrats are supposed to join with you? When are you going to speak out against Trump? When are you going to speak out against these proud boys storming Congress? When is the Republican Party of Illinois going to take a stand? I got three Republican legislators. Mary Miller, this thing, Frank, I want to thank you for sending this to me. It's outrageous. I've already gotten three different people sending me this. Read this, read this. Everybody wants me to read this thing. Mary Miller, the newly elected congresswoman uh, from Southern Illinois, gave a speech. Uh, She goes, quote, if we win a few elections, we're still going to be losing unless we win the hearts and minds of our children. This is the battle. Hitler was right on one thing. He said, whoever has the youth has the future. I'm like, that's like a joke. You know, like comedians do that. Well, say what you will about Hitler, and then you know whatever follows is not going to be good because the preamble is like setting you up. Uh, nope, really don't want to use Hitler as somebody we're quoting, okay? But, you know, hey, where are the Republicans to denounce Mary Miller? Where, where's the, where's the Chicago Tribune editorial board so up in arms about Michael Joseph Vatican could it denounce the thugs? Yeah, I said it, D. I found my inner Donald Trump. The thugs who've taken control of the Republican Party. Don't see it coming anytime soon, Dennis. Don't see it coming anytime soon. All right, Monroe Anderson's going to be coming on in moments, and we're going to be talking more about that. Like I said, this is just breaking uh, as the show is going on here. More and more uh, going on here. So uh, we'll end it out with some statewide news here. Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker. Big problems become big problems when you let small problems sit. And it's funny you say that, Governor. You see, for quite some time now, our Democratic governor has had a small problem brewing downstate. And uh, the problem, 
People downstate pretty much hates your guts, bro. Uh, and with this re-election campaign coming up shortly, it may be time for Governor Pritzker to try and mend the fence here because we have a new hire in the Governor Pritzker administration. The following comes from the Chicago Sun-Times. And Fran the Woman Spielman? Nope. Tommy Two joined Shuba? Oh, you wish. Mitch the Dude Dudek? Maybe. <laughs> but it's not. It's Andrew Sullender. I don't have a clever nickname for that guy. <laughs> I like Tommy Two joined Shuba. I'm surprised Tommy didn't break this story, you know. <laughs> The, head, roll, the head from Andrew Sullender. The headline reads from Andrew Sullender, downstate Democrat leaving state Senate to advise Pritzker on downstate. State Senator Andy Menar of downstate 618 Bunker Hill announced Monday that he will resign from his legislative seat effective January 17th, but gave no reason for the move in the statement that he released. A short time later, the governor's office issued a statement that Menar would be joining the administration as a senior advisor on, quote, downstate economic revitalization, appropriations, and COVID-19 recovery efforts. Menar was first elected to represent the 48th District in 2012. He is one of only six downstate Democrats in the current state Senate. Republicans hold 12 downstate Senate seats. And welcome Andy Menar, the downstate czar. Menar has served as one of the Democratic Caucus's point people on education and the budget. He is chairperson of the Senate's Appropriations Committee and was an architect behind the state's evidence-based funding model for public education, which was implemented in 2017. Menar, 45 years old, is scheduled to assume his role on January 19th. And sources close to no one that don't exist at all are saying that Menar's, <laughs> Menar's first task at hand as the downstate czar, going all around the state and marking out the sucks in the Pritzker sucks signs and changing it to rocks. Pritzker rocks. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's kind of hard. I'm trying to think of change the S to the R and the U to the O. <laughs> that's pretty funny, D. Uh, Andy Menar is also, people don't know this, a Dennis's favorite state senator. Absolutely. For as long, for as, long as I've known you, you like when we would talk about downstate, you go, yo, Andy Menar is from downstate. You know that, Ben, don't you? Are you aware of that? Well, no, I You know, my, my high school used to play uh, basketball against his high school. Did you know that? Huh? <laughs> and I go, no, I didn't know that. It's the first time you've told me that today uh but um, anyway yes and i think your your instincts were absolutely correct uh, when dennis and i were talking about this yesterday somehow or other we had so much news yesterday we didn't get to it yesterday uh but your instincts were absolutely correct uh, jb pritzker uh may have been born at night but he wasn't born uh last night he realizes in a heap of trouble downstate he reads the uh cc so same pritzker sucks signs um somehow or other J.B. Uh, Pritzker's efforts to keep Illinois residents from polluting each other, from uh, passing COVID to each other, uh, have um, resulted in people despising him uh, downstate. And one thing leads to another. And everything else that has happened is just feeds off that for fair tax. Uh, yeah, it's just one more time to go back to keep the stories together. That's why I really just shake my head 
We're still in the middle of this pandemic. We still don't have enough vaccines, vaccinations uh, to really protect people. We don't know when it will end. We're being told that we're running out of beds in some states. It's a dire situation. Yet, let's open those schools right now. <laughs> and then they drag in the experts to completely contradict everything the other experts are saying. No, listen to us when you say this. Anyway, so Andy Menard, he knows. I, 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 I'm I, with you, D. I think this was a, a strategic move by J.B. Pritzker to try to figure out what he has to do to sort of win back some downstate voters who really turned against him. Uh, and it's not just downstate voters. All Chicago, I've discovered this, has a tendency to view any part of the state that is not directly in the Chicago area as downstate. So they go, downstate congressman Adam Kinzinger, uh, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, uh, technicality, he's actually north of Chicago. That is upstate. <laughs> I'm as guilty as anyone. You know? I mean, I've, well, I would care. I go to like Chicago, Skokie, love Skokie, Evanston. That's pretty much, oh, no, Lincolnwood. Because, uh, New York uh, Bagels and Bialis. Have you ever had the Bagels and Bialis in New York Bagels and Bialis, D? No. Ramada and I were talking about it last week, and I rushed. <sighs> Just put, talking about it, got it. Anyway, that's pretty much where I go. So I don't know from downstate or upstate, but I do know that in upstate, too, they got uh, Pritzker suck signs, and this will tie it all together. A lot of this has to do with the 10-year effort by the Republican Party to turn Michael Joseph Madigan into the monster. And since Michael Joseph Madigan seems unwilling to defend himself, the monster just grows. So people really dislike him downstate. And so they're going to use that against J.B. Pritzker as well. J.B. Pritzker's like, uh-oh, better do something about this. The election's, what, two years? One year, right? Let me do the math. Hold on, D. Go, uh, go. 2022. 20, We're at 20,000. One year. Nice. Oh, my God. Well, yeah. Hey, come on. What Devinson High School, okay? <laughs> did I tell you I took algebra, freshman algebra at Devinson High School? Yeah. Did I ever tell you that? So uh, if X is Y and Y is Z. Uh, but uh, anyway, so, yeah, I think this is clearly an attempt uh, by uh, Governor Pritzker to try to figure out. Now the big issue, of course, is who will be named to replace Andy Menard as uh uh, state senator and uh, my I have a lot of sources uh, D uh, from yeah. downstate yeah, and <laughs> many many sources uh, they call me up and go man he was the latest from downstate let me just keep the update and the leading candidate so far uh, to replace Andy Menard is you your got? Uncle Eldon oh my Uncle, uncle? my uncle really <laughs> oh now little Benny 